Let's Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, everyone. I am so pleased to be joined today by Dr. Stephen McGregor, author of The Daily Reset, which is due for release on the 6th of December. He is a global expert in workplace health, well-being and performance with a PhD and master's degree in design thinking and virtual teams. He is also the founder of the Leadership Academy of Barcelona with clients including Salesforce, McKinsey and Uber. He's the author or lead co-author of six books in the past 12 years, notably Chief Wellbeing Officer and Sustaining Executive Performance. He is also a frequent keynote speaker He's also a frequent keynote speaker and guest professor with experience in research and teaching at Stanford, Carnegie Mellon, IE, IMD, IESE, CEIBS, and Pompeii Fabra. He has trained with Olympic athletes, Tour de France riders, and Ironman champions. In addition, he is an international level duathlete and former national champion, currently racing for FC Barcelona. Now, Dr. Stephen, that is, that is quite the introduction, and I don't know... With doing all of that, where you find the time to to still write, but welcome. We're very pleased to have you here today. Thank you, Karen. Pleasure to to join you in this conversation. Fantastic. So I was listening to your introduction on the Daily Reset website, and you mentioned that one of your reads through the pandemic was the Daily Stoic, which shares a lot of the Stoic wisdom to help us cope with the uncertain and the unpredictable. Now, part of this wisdom is setting up moments of predictability or rituals to help us manage what you refer to as the ebb and flow of of life. Could you expand on how these daily practices like journaling or the establishment of these rituals actually work to support us in our ability to cope with uncertainty? Sure. No, it's a great question to to start. I think it's just recognizing that when the world is falling apart and thankfully is, is getting back to some semblance of order, but when there is so much uncertainty around, if we do have these daily practices ourselves, it gives us an anchor point, right? It gives us a degree of certainty that gives us some solace in tough times. It gives us some confidence and in, in thinking that we're we're on the right path and, and we're going forward. And there's a type of meditation in it as well, I think, and, and that's also comforting. So I give you an example, you know, as I write in the introduction and as you say, the, the audio clip is on, on the website of the Daily Reset. Get up in the morning, I make coffee and I'm just finishing my morning coffee right now and I read the Daily Stoic, right? And, and there's a meditation in that and no matter, you know, how uncertain or how uncomfortable the previous day was, you know, I can control that, right? I can control that and similarly, at night, regardless of how that day went, I have the power and the control of writing in my journal and processing my experiences of that day. So it gives it gives us certainty, these daily practices, these habits, there's a meditation, there's a rhythm. And I think if we elevate also to that word ritual, and so we've, we've looked at habit change and, and habit formation for over a decade in the work, our client work in Barcelona, you know, we can look at it on that basic level of habits or things that we do each day. But when you involve that word ritual, it immediately gives it this context of emotional needs. And I think we all need to recognize 
the emotional needs perhaps that we're not satisfying after the pandemic has taken hold. And if you think about the word ritual, you know, you go back and you think of maybe religion or history or some ceremony, but workplace well-being was full of rituals or working life, never mind well-being or working life was full of rituals and they were suddenly taken away. And what we did in the pandemic was that we replaced the functional needs of everything that we'd done before, but we didn't think about the emotional needs. And so this is a lot of my background in design thinking. I'm also always very attuned into this additional layer of emotional need. And this could be something very simple like commuting. On a functional level, yes, we save time. But what is the transition that you have from commuting when you travel uh, for business? Maybe you are thinking about the negative experience of, of squeezing your hand luggage into the cabin, overhead cabins. But maybe there was a sense of calm down the runway that you could meditate. Maybe when you checked into the hotel, this was time for your own personal development. Um, and so if we think of the rituals that we had before, combining with the, the rhythm and the, the certainty of daily practice, then I, I think there's a lot in that. Absolutely. And I, I think these are um, a lot of the challenges we're going to face stepping into into this hybrid workforce is, you know, as you say, it's really easy to, to replace that, that functional aspect. But I don't think we realized how much we were actually losing by stepping out of those rituals. And I think a lot of people have really experienced that through the p pandemic. You know, all of a sudden that rhythm was that rhythm was gone and the busyness of life was often gone in that, which led to some people using that time to deeply reflect on, I suppose, what was missing, almost sparking that existential crisis for many people questioning the meaning and the purpose in that. And we're seeing that kind of playing out in this great resignation that we're going into now. But on the other hand, it's also... You know, for, for the first time, I think leaders that have been really productivity driven before have become so aware of those emotional needs and, and the emotional needs of their team in order to engage people at the right level to to harness that productivity and that, that discretionary energy, really, that there's no turning back. It's almost it's a great place to be because we can affect such great change from this point. Absolutely. You know, let's hope that it is an opportunity and it is a reset that allows these questions that we were too busy to ask before. There are negative consequences, of course, in terms of, you know, the trends of the Great Resignation and, and all these other things. But the overarching hope is that it's positive and, and we can make the most of this time. Um, just going back to, you know, setting these daily rhythms and rituals, it, that's so important. And as, as you've already mentioned, you know, part of feeling in control of your life events, especially during times of uncertainty or heightened awareness, and of course, you know, massive restrictions and the limitations that have been placed on our, our basic human freedoms is that recognition that we have the power and freedom of choice. This is, of course, you know, fundamental tenets of uh, Frankel's theories and, and logotherapy as well, but that was also really born out of a period of great adversity for him. But could you explain why this ability to recognize our freedom to choose is so powerful? Yeah, another great question. I think it's similar in a way that, you know, to the to the first question in terms of when, when the world is falling apart and when there's so much uncertainty, then then there's some things that are within our control that, that we can make certain. And again, it gives us that comfort. It gives us that, that solace. So when we recognize also that, that we can choose within a world that is, you know, highly unpredictable, highly volatile, then, then that gives us that comfort as well. And I think key point is in the enacting of that choosing, because on a conceptual level, you think about it, you think we have the world in all of its complexities, 
we can't control all of that crazy volume, let's say, that mind-boggling volume and complexity, but we can control our own choice and the way that we react to things. And that seems so small in comparison. And if you just look at that on a conceptual level, then it, I don't think it's comforting. It's actually the opposite, right? It's mm. quite concerning. You think we have this big world and then we have not just me as an individual, but just my own choice. And that seems so small, right? But when you start to enact that, when you start to practice that, it's so empowering. You go through your day, each and every day, things happen to you, right? And and then you start to enact your choosing on how you react to different things. And you recognize that that is the, the bigger part, that is the volume, that is the complexity that you have within your own control. And so you have to practice it. And then when you start to do that, you open up a whole world or, or universe of possibility. It is really so empowering. And it's the same with well-being and happiness and all these other different things. We can't just think that this is dependent on the context of our workplace or on our boss or our team colleagues. It is absolutely within our own control. We can choose to be happy, we can choose how we, you know, live our lives to to support our well-being every single day. And then in the book, I just try and give a little bit of guidance to that. But the key is in the practice and you open up a whole world of possibility. It really is so empowering. Absolutely. And it's such an important skill for people to learn. And I think what we're seeing now is this, this almost in vogue again, this whole emotional intelligence, people really getting to know who they are, how they react, how they respond, and, and practicing that pause, you know, moving away from becoming this reactionary being to somebody that is actually in control in the moment, in control of how I'm interpreting the situation and choosing how I respond. And I love that that's what your book's about. So so let's chat about the, the daily reset. Uh, again, you introduce it by saying that you hope it will help people return to a less restricted life. Can you tell us how, you know, and, and you've spoken a little bit about this, but what else? How do we free ourselves from these these restrictions we've replaced by this power to choose or by recognizing this power to choose? Well, I think, you know, it's coming back to the previous point where I, I hope that we have an opportunity from the pandemic and I hope that we still haven't settled down to a new pattern of thinking, of, of being and, and doing. And you can look at this in different levels. I was reading an article in the Guardian newspaper from the UK, um, I think it was just yesterday, and there was a UN report and it talked about how we've actually, we haven't taken advantage of the opportunity that we had in terms of the climate emergency. We have COP26, of course, in my home city of Glasgow, which is it's kicking off in a few days, which is a hugely important summit for world leaders. And, you know, having that being prefaced by the pandemic, there was an the opportunity there. You know, carbon emissions, we saw mm. satellite images, you know, there was even, you know, the waters in Venice were, were running clearer after just a few weeks of lockdown at the beginning of the pandemic. You could see uh, the Himalayas from certain points in India for the first time in 30 years. So we had that reset for the natural world, but then we kind of rushed back. You know, I'd like to think that it isn't too late, that we're still settling down into that new normal or next normal or whatever you want to call it. But essentially, I just feel that we're still in that period of flux um, when we have been, let's say, forced off the hamster wheel. So our lives before the pandemic, maybe we thought that was normal, but the, the, the key takeaway is that we had a high degree of efficiency. 
and we were spinning at a very high cadence each and every day. Maybe we didn't have the time or the space for those existential questions and those deep reflections that you mentioned um, a short while ago. So we've been forced off that hamster wheel, that pattern of doing and thinking. And so my hope is for the daily reset, it allows people to then construct I don't want to say a new hamster wheel. I don't think that has connotations <laughs> of a kind of a rich, um, reflective life, let's say. It's about being on autopilot and, and maybe more mindless rather than mindful. Um, but it's mm. about helping people with a new pattern, let's say. Uh, and so there's different dimensions of well-being that we dig into in the daily nudges. And it's just like as the world gets back to a little bit more sense of normality, here is a guide that you can use each day that will give you a new way of thinking and a new way of doing. So tell us a little bit more about the book itself. What, as a reader, what can I expect to find in it? What do I, how do I engage with it? And you know, it, is there a lot of work involved in this transformation or is it a gentle process that you will lead us through? I think there's options. I think that's the key, right? So it is a page a day book. Every day of the year, you, you go to that date and you read whatever the reflection is, right? And and it could be between 50, or even I think there's some that are less than that. I think there's a couple that are just a sentence and it just asks a question. And there's others that are they go to maybe 150, 200 words, but they fit on a page. And each month of the year has a different theme. So October is resilience, November is leadership, and December is community. And then other themes that we have, we have mindfulness, we have nutrition, we have sleep, we have energy. And, and so we have different themes for each month of the year. So we have 12 themes, we have 366 nudges, so a nudge for every day of the year. And the key is that you know, people engage, or the hope, let's say, is that people engage. Because as I said, it's, it's options. People can take this as rigorous or as light as they wish. So they could read it every day. They could maybe, as I do with the Daily Stoic, they wake up in the morning, they have a cup of coffee, they read the reflection for that day, or maybe they do it at night, right? At the end of the day, maybe they use it as a journal because this is the key is that there's mm. space within the book for people to write. So it is a book, but it's also a journal. So people can write their notes, they can write the answers to the questions. And that's why I hope, because we learn through that engagement, we learn through that practice. Some days are, you know, pushing people maybe to the point of discomfort, but that's where we learn. We, we learn in that area of discomfort. Other days are a little bit more easy, right? And they let people kind of relax a bit. Sometimes there's very specific questions on a day or even a method or a technique or a tool to follow. And in other days, it's a little bit more open to interpretation. So that's the flow that we have. And look, maybe people don't read it every day. Maybe people have an interest in one of the themes. They really want to learn about mindfulness and practice mindfulness. So maybe they go through the full month and all 30 of those nudges on likewise with energy. Or maybe, hey, maybe they read it all the way through in a weekend. But this is open to interpretation, right? But, but again, just to emphasize, what I'm hoping is that people see that it is more than a book to read, but it is a journal, is a guide to engage with. So you write in the book, you answer the questions, you agree with some, you disagree with others, you know? So I, I'm just trying to move people to action. And, and that's where the power is. Absolutely. And that comes through that journaling. And I think 
and I'm going to ask you just to expand on, on why you find journaling to be so powerful. But from my perspective, we've almost lots that are to reflect on what we think. Our, our minds are so busy. And although we'd be asking you know, a question that you'd prompt in the daily reset, mentally, we often don't spend enough time on getting down to that answer or we dismiss a lot of that thinking. Now, journaling almost creates another pause point and it allows us to really to really get to the, you know, get into the meaty stuff of what we're, what we're truly thinking or feeling around a particular aspect. Why is this so important for you? You know, what else does journaling give us? Why is it such an important tool? I think there's two main things. I think, first of all, you know, connected to there is that pause or that space in a busy life. So it gives us that moment of stop and we're always rushing around and we're always very busy. So the art... Uh, and the practice of journaling has a pause. It gives you space, right? It gives you that time for reflection. I think that's one huge benefit um, for me, and I hope and I believe for others that, you know, many others that we've coached over the years. The second thing I think is that it involves a conversation with yourself. And I think that is hugely important. Again, we go through a busy life and we have many conversations with, with other people and we have very important dialogues, but we often forget about that relationship with ourselves. And we need to dig into that, right? And mindfulness is a part of that. You know, how am I feeling? Check in with yourself. You know, how did I act today? What What's my intentions for tomorrow? You know, having that check-in and just having that self-respect, that, that self-love, right? That, that understanding of oneself. And I think a lot of happiness, a lot of well-being, it comes from that understanding, right? That self-knowledge. And, and I think journaling is fantastic for that. And just the last question to end this off. It's a, it's a nudge a day. Now, last I checked, we had 365 days in a year. So why 366 nudges? Yeah, look, I mean, we've got the leap year, right? We can't forget every four oh. years and then people do what they do. So that's the key thing. And look, that's that's the thing, right? Because people think, uh, how many days in a year? It's the 365. That's the work. That's the, the number that you immediately, if you saw 365 in a cup, you think, oh, right. So 366, is, yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch. It makes people think. But hey, that's what the book is about, right? It's about making people think and taking a second glance at things. But yeah, if every leap year we came to February 29th and people were like, okay, what do I do today? Just have a day off? No, you need to put in the 366. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. I have really enjoyed my time with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your insights uh, with us. I cannot wait for your book to come out. Of course, we will carry a, a link to it in, in our pages as well. So anybody can access uh, the Daily Reset website directly from our page. But thank you so much. Really appreciate the time spent today. My pleasure, Karen. Lovely to talk to you.